Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses. Moses what? The man of God, right? This is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. We're going to be talking about uh, being a man of God just as we see it here in Psalm 90 and some of the dilemmas that that becoming a man of God, which is also okay, synonymous with a woman of God, okay? Uh, what are some of the dilemmas that confront someone who's pursuing that life, who's pursuing that description, that identity, right? Let's jump first as we read these first few verses. You got the sin dilemma, okay? Psalm 90, verses 1 through 3. We'll talk about the sin dilemma. It's a prayer of Moses, the man of God. He says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever hadst formed the earth and the world, even everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. It's important to, to know, man of God, woman of God, that God has always been and will always be Creator God. Okay, it's fundamental. This is rudimentary stuff. Some of you are starting high school for the first time. Some of you are going into your senior year and you're all along that range of school experience and life experience and we'll see and hear and experience things for the first time uh, in the next few years. You're experiencing a lot. You're going to hear a lot. And you'll be taught a lot of different things in schools and uh, from coworkers and all along the way. But it's important to know that God has always been and will always be creator God. He is the one who created everything. That makes him bigger than all of us. That makes him stronger than all of us. Makes him wiser than all of us. But also, it's important to understand that man has always been and still is prone to destruction. Okay, so you see that from, uh, he says, Thou turnest man to destruction. God is like a judo master. Mankind, we are, we are bound and determined for destruction. We want to do things our way. We want to do things the way that we think they should be done. We want to live our lives according to our wisdom and our understanding. We're going our way. And God... What does he allow? He allows that. Okay. But it's not that God wants to destroy anything. He's not turning man to destruction. He's not out to get you. He's not sneaking around the corner waiting for you to mess up so he can destroy you. But as we pursue destruction, as we're prone and, 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 and bent on doing things our way, God does allow us to reap that. So here's what I'm getting at. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so, here's what has happened, here's the result, here's what you and I live with. And so death passed upon all men, for they all have sinned. Our sin is our death sentence. Your sin, your wrongdoing, my wrongdoing, our disobedience to God. 
our disobedience to, you know, you hear your conscience when you're a small kid or even now, you know, you're, you're doing something, you're watching something, you're experiencing something, you're saying something. No, it's wrong. And you do it anyways. We all do that, right? And you've done it anyways. That, that is what earns you death and separation from God. Romans 6.23, for the wages or the, the payment, the, the, what you get, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So your sin dilemma, in other words, is this. We, ha- we never have and never will deserve the love and acceptance of God because of our sin condition. Question. Please. Yeah, that's a great question. Think about it like this. My child, I have three daughters, and one of my girls, I've given them life. Well, really, Kylie gave them life. But we gave these girls life, right? And then I tell them to do their chores. Or I tell them to treat each other right. Okay? And then, hold on. And then I say, okay, do it. And then they're given what? The freedom. The choice to obey or not. Right? If I built a robot, <clears throat> I could program it exactly as I want it to do. I build, design it. I wire it right. And then I push go. And then it does everything that I want it to do. Who do I have a better relationship with? Just as the creator of those two things. Well, because they're a child. I made them in the image of me. I made them like me. I made them to be in relationship with me. I specifically designed them to relate and connect. But part of that is I gave them free will. I gave them a choice. And when they exercise that free will, just as you and I do every day, when we exercise that free will to either obey or disobey, we've all disobeyed at least Three million times, right? We've all chosen to exercise our will against God. And the result of that is, is our sin that earns us death. Death meaning separation from God. The sin dilemma is that we don't deserve God's love. He gave us the choice to choose Him and we didn't choose Him. We chose ourselves and we choose ourselves every day. And so we can't ever earn His acceptance. Because we said no. Does that make sense? And now we have this sin condition. Now we have this problem. Well, the, the sin solution... Romans 5, verse 21, it says this, Moreover, the law entered. Okay? The law entered. What is the law? The law is God saying, don't do this. Do this. The law is what reveals to us, oh yeah, I've messed up. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Okay, if I told you, don't ever step on the ground. You very quickly realize, 
I step on the ground all the time. It is so hard not to step on the ground. That has consumed my thought. If I can't step on the ground, everything, my whole life changes. If I can't step on the ground, that is literally a game changer. I bet we could get creative. Paul is what comes in and says, hey, don't do this and that. And then we realize, oh boy, I've done all of that. Okay. Where sin abounded, where I realized all of the flaws of my life, the disobedience of my life, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, check this out, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Understand this, please, that sin separates you from God. But Jesus Christ came to earth and he literally lived a sinless life for 33 years. He was completely righteous. He did everything right. He obeyed God every time. He obeyed when we wouldn't have. And then, not only that, but he surrendered his life to the cross. He paid the death that we owe. And he paid it. And then he rose from the and he's alive right now. He's alive and he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. In him dying and raising to life for your and my sin, he extends grace. It's goodness that we don't deserve, but he extends to us. And it's this eternal life gift that we now get to exercise our free will to choose to accept it and to surrender our lives or to reject it. And now you've heard the gospel and you are now going to have to start processing. Am I going to accept or reject that? And that may be today that you accept it. And it may not be. It may have been in the past. But the gospel, God has put it in your hands to decide what to do with. And that's the sin solution. So man of God, understand this. Man of God, God's grace is the solution for the man of God's sin problem. If we want to be men and women of God, we have to understand the solution for my sin is God's grace. That I can be covered. That I can be good. Not because I'm good because God's good and he's got me. Does that make sense? Okay, question. Say that last part again. I was saying um, that he could wipe out sin and he didn't need like use like ground or something. Like why did he create a system in which he was gonna have to die? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Like, isn't he like all powerful God? He could like just wipe out the sin and then everything's fine. Yeah. He could. I think it I think the answer to your question has to do with the nature of who God is. So God is pure. God is just. God is 
without and away from sin. He's holy. God is light. Okay, so using light. If God is light, and he specifically creates creation to relate and through praise and worship to him, to, to draw near to him. If that's his design, and he is light, if there's sin, it has to be dealt with somehow, right? You're saying he's all-powerful, he could eliminate it. I'm saying he's all-powerful, and he did eliminate it. He did, he did it with him. He did it with himself. So that's an important distinction. To you, I need you, this person I've created, I need you to go handle the sin of the whole world. He said, hey, I got this. Jesus is God, according to 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. So Jesus, God himself, built the system and, and realized separation from him and humanity, and he said, I'll fix it. And that is the grace, that you and I can't fix it. But God did. Does that answer your question? Okay. <laughs> no, but I'll say yes. We can keep talking about it. Or you could talk with Kyle. She's, she's real smart, too. She's, well, she's real smart. so that's the sin dilemma God's grace is the solution for our sin dilemma and that's his design and he is the one who provides the solution he doesn't ask anyone else to do his dirty work right he does the work for us he made a way for us so let's talk about the next thing that is the time dilemma and I want to say that uh this is kind of tough uh, as I was working through this. So uh, there's a teacher, a good friend of mine, who passed away yesterday. And his name was Charles Crenier. We'll study in this room for years. Um, and he had 10 children. He was a man of God. And uh, we prayed last week for one of his kids. And, and um, just he trusted God. And it's like the worst possible news to hear that a, a friend of yours has passed away. He was the cyclist who was struck by a car and the hit and run. and So he was murdered and, and the person ran, uh, ran away. Uh, this was yesterday over by Longview Lake. So regarding the time dilemma and as we talk about time, I think there is a sense of gravity that I know that I have. Part of the verses that we'll read this morning are, you know, Moses says, teach us to number our days. And we'll, and we'll get to that in a few moments. But I do believe that God allows things to happen and he, he uses things. You know, for me, this is a big wake up call. Like, wow, teach me to number my days. OK, and he's going to use one of my friends who who's murdered to teach me to number my days. He's 40, 41, 42 years old, a young guy. And, uh, and wow, like, I'm, I'm not guaranteed any more days than I've lived, and, and neither are you. And, and, but I think I get to see that, and then I get to communicate that to you. Hopes that you'll hear that too, that 
your days are just as limited as 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 Charlie's were and and as mine are and time is a pretty serious thing I guess there was a not to be morbid but more death on the highway on the way here I don't know if you took 70 from Raytown area but as I was driving by, I saw that there were lights and things and there was um, an accident or murder or something on 70, 71 Highway and it was just kind of like, wow, Lord, I get it. I mean, I probably don't, but geez, you know, there's so much time is limited. So let's read these verses. Psalm 90, verse 4 through 6, it says, For a thousand years <clears throat> and thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past. It is a watch in the night. It's like a night shift. Thou carries them away as with a flood. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up in the morning. It flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is down and withereth. Okay. <clears throat> Time is a big deal for us. Time to God is a big deal, but it's kind of a short deal. A thousand years for Him is like he went to bed and he woke up. Right? It's just, boom. Our perspective of time is obviously much different from God's. Time is no thing to God. <clears throat> and yet it is so much, and it's so much to us. And so uh, time, let's talk about it briefly, was created with an expiring purpose. Okay, time was created. Time is a dimension that God created in the beginning there it is. God created blah, 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 blah. The rest of Genesis and the creation and all that. Okay, well, it's an expiration date where time has its function. The things that happen within time, the, the sun rises and it sets and the moon comes out and there's night and there's day. And those are what we'll talk about. They have a specific purpose for this sin of, of humanity. So let's consider the creation of the day and night. You'll have today, and then you'll go to sleep tonight. The day, we see the light during the day, right? We see the sun, and the sun is a picture of Jesus Christ. The one who exposes darkness, the one who reveals what is real and what is fake, gives us light to walk and to live and to move. You have days on purpose. You can wake up in the morning and see the sun rise and think, well, the Lord gave me another day. And there's, there's purpose for all of this day. God wants to use today. God wants to be with me today. God is alive today. Jesus is today. But there's also the night. And the night shows us what you can learn, what we can learn from the night, is that there's coldness, there's darkness in this world. Shows us our need to rest I went fishing all night with Maddie's dad on Friday night, and we caught one small turtle. It was awful. And I was so tired yesterday. I was just worn out. I needed the nighttime. The nighttime showed me I need to rest. I need to, I need to lay my head on my pillow and recharge and recover. Our, our weakness and our inability are exposed by the night to see where we're going and to do it. Uh, you, you need the light, right? 
Can you get anything done in the night if there's no light? Of course not. You're fumbling around. You're trying to... You're stubbing your toe. It's no fun at night. But one day, time's purpose will be complete. And Jesus will be the all in all. He's the alpha and the omega. That means he's the beginning. And what else is he? He's the end. Okay, well, what does that look like? Speaking of the new heaven and the new earth in eternity, 21, uh, verse 23 to 25, and then Revelation 22, verse 5, it says this, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no more night there. No more night time. Time ends as we know it. Why? Revelation 22.5 And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Okay. <clears throat> To understand there was a beginning and there is an end of time. We get into eternity future. It will be going on and on and on and on. But it will actually just be. It'll be. And maybe there is some kind of time. I think it's a little ambiguous. Maybe time keeps going. And we'll be able to say something like, Oh yeah, I died a thousand years ago. Or maybe we'll be able to think or say... Died 400 million years ago. But eventually, eventually, we're going to say, I died, I died like any ago. It'll be so long. I think time kind of stops becoming important in eternity future. Does that make sense? That boggles my mind. And I know that as a, young, a younger person, I was creeped out by the idea of eternity. When I got saved, I was scared that I would live for eternity because I was so worried I would get bored. I'm serious. I was like, what am I going to do? What do we do? Right? Well, time becomes less important and yet there is a dilemma for the man of God. Consider the time dilemma. Not just yours, but all of time is limited. My friend Charlie, his time was limited. And he didn't know what his time limit was. He didn't. And his children didn't know what his time limit was. And you, stop interrupting me, and you don't know what your time limit is. And, even more than you don't know what your time limit is, you don't know what the people around you's time limits are. So let's say you're not saved. You don't know if Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. You need to hear me today. I'm not going to pressure you into anything. If you're not saved, there's a good chance I won't even talk to you in a one-on-one But if you're to yourself, I don't think I'm saved. I hope I can talk to you, but I don't know if you're saved or not, and I'm not going to just try to bully you into a conversation. 
But the reality is, if you know you haven't your heart and your life to Jesus Christ and his heart, his life, of yours, if you've not done that, you don't know. Your days are, don't know that. And if you've not made the decision that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then unfortunately your sin separates you from God now, and when you die, your sin will separate you from, from God for eternity. And you'll spend eternity forever and ever ever. You got to hear that that is no place for you. That God doesn't want you there, and no one in this room wants you there. God, even more than any of us, does not want you in that state, in that place. But rather, He wants you to understand. And my seems unlimited, and it's bounding. Even more. He has grace for you. He has forgiveness for you. And he wants you to just fall down. You. You are saved. You need to know that. And sometimes it sinks in and sometimes it doesn't. Every time I drive down, uh, uh, what is it, Little Blue, Little Blue Parkway, Little Blue Road, uh, there's a cross at the end of that road when it it crosses uh, Nolan Road. There's a cross right right across the street. And it says, Kayla Pascarelli. May, May something... And I had sixth grade art class with her. And she was really mean. But it was because she was a girl and I was a boy. And I thought she was amazing. <laughs> it's like, oh, I love her. I mean, not really, but it was kind of like we didn't really get along. Cool in high school. Grow out of that little boy, little girl thing. And, and then we were cool and it's all good. And we didn't really ever talk. And then she died like a week after we graduated from high school in a car accident. And that shook me. I was like, whoa. People I shared a classroom with for years die and are no more. And around that season of my life in high school, Jason Teeny died. Uh, Howard died. Um, there's been so many. It's kind of hard to just even keep track of them. Uh, I played the tuba, and there was four tuba players, right? Me, C.J. Waddy, big old C.J. Waddy, Jason Teeny, and Howard. Jason died, Howard died. Half the tuba room died. All What are the odds? You know what I mean? Like, there's students in my school that I work at that die every year. People around you are dying. And if they haven't given their life to Jesus Christ, dying, what are you going to do about it? 
How about we start with you care? Give a care. How about I give a care? How about I, I grow concern over that? More than I grow concern over what clothes I wear each morning or over what uh, kid I get to sit by because they're not my friend or not in my class. How about I grow concern over the soul, the lost state of souls over likes me in this room says what about me in this room do you know how much drama does not matter compared to eternity do you know that in a thousand years from now you're not going to be saying that one girl said that me you're not going to be saying that let's grow concerned for souls not Things that occupy our, our days so easily. Time is limited. And that's a dilemma for the man of God. But man of God, once saved from his sin, the man of God must redeem the time. If you are going to identify as a person, a man or woman of God, you're going to have to decide. All this time is experiencing Start claiming it back. I've only got a few hours at school each day. I've got to cling to those hours. I've got to cling to those opportunities, those conversations. I've got to slow down. You know, Charlie was in my room about a week ago, and he stopped by during my lunch block. I had an hour for lunch. Okay, I'm a teacher. I get the same lunch as you do. It's like 12 minutes, right? So I had this hour lunch break. I'm like, yes, I'm going to sit here. Charlie was in my room. First time I'd seen him in a year or so at another school he comes in and we're talking and chatting and catching up and 25 minutes go by and I'm like man this is glad I got to chat with him still got 35 minutes we're good and then he keeps chatting and then we're chatting and he's like you want to pray I'm like yeah let's pray and he starts reading like a whole bible chapter I'm like okay I just want to pray and like didn't eat my lunch, you know. Dude's in my room for like 45 minutes. But do you know? I wish I could go back. Just a week. Just that 45 minutes. If I could just change my attitude during that time to one of, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to be with this guy. Now, why would I want to change my attitude about that time? Because I know that those were my last 45 minutes with that dude. And I don't know when my last 45 minutes are with any one of you or any one of my classmates. Because time is limited. So I have to cling to each of those minutes. I have to slow down. I might be really busy, but I need to slow down. I might have this list of things I got to get done. I have these practices I have to go through. But I need to, you need to, we need to slow down and redeem that time. Not just fly through it. You understand? That is a man. They understand the limits in a day. And I need to learn that. We need to learn that. Let's talk about the weakness dilemma. We are halfway through our verses. I do believe it will speed up here. We're lifting a heavy one right now, right? 
So Psalm 90 verses 7 through 11 are going to kind of lay out for us our uh, weakness dilemma. It says, For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Our secret sins in the light of thy countenance, he says to God. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. That's seventy. The days of our years are seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years. General timeline for your life, your lifespan, is about seventy. And if you're strong, you'll get eighty. Missouri, the if you live in Missouri it's average some people go over some people go under that's no guarantee AD can be done by, by reason of strength yet is there strength labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off it is soon cut off this life and we fly away who knoweth the power of anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Here's what you get to know this morning. You are exposed. You're exposed in three ways. Your secret sin. Whatever secret sin you've got, God knows it. His eyes have beheld it. His ears have heard it. His heart has been affected by it. And there's nothing you can do to undo that. That thing you're so ashamed of. That thing you regret so much. There's nothing you can do to undo it. And God has seen it. And He's heard it. And He knows it. You are exposed before Him. I have three S's here. Secret sin. Sunburn. That's God's wrath. Span of life. Those are the three areas of our weakness. We, we can't be secretive from God, but exposed to God's wrath. And here's what I mean by that. John chapter 3, 17, uh, and also verse 36. But it says, For God so loved the world, what? That He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Check this out. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, <clears throat> and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Okay, let me read this one to you, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Why? But the wrath of God abideth on him. If you're not born again, if you've not believed on Jesus Christ, God's wrath is abiding on you. God hates sin. He is completely against it. 
He's for you, but he hates sin. Wrath is abiding on those not yet believed on Jesus Christ. We're exposed. Can't hide. Can't escape the weight of his wrath. It is there waiting for death. God is love. The Bible says God is love. God is for you. God loves you. But God hates sin. And if we are hanging on to our sin and we're hanging on to our life, our pride, our stealing, our lying, our disobedience, if we're hanging on and we've not been born again, God's wrath is there waiting. That scares me. I'm glad I escaped that. I'm glad I took the the out route. I went run yesterday and it was just awful. It kins fast. I'm not, okay? But not only that, <clears throat> it was like the, a longer run that I've gone on. Running. Fast like Ken, you're done in like few minutes but if you're me it takes a little longer so I'm running right and then I get to like three quarters of the way through my run and I'm like I can't run the path I was hoping to because it was like all uphill to finish I'm like I have to take the chicken exit I have to I can't I can't go up there I can't run up that hill so I took the chicken exit I ran another way and then this route it was a little bit longer, but I knew I would walk when I was done running. And I took a chicken exit, and I ran up, and then I ended up running on my favorite street in Raytown. And it's all shaded. It's cool. I was protected from the sun. I was done, and I just walked. People were like, what are you doing? It's like, I don't know. But I was in the cool day. It was like the garden. No longer exposed to the wrath of the sun. You want to take that chicken exit. You can't handle that hill that is judgment on your sin. You can't handle it. You need Jesus to save you from your sin. Our weakness is we can't for our sin. Our weakness is we can't escape wrath over our sin. And the last weakness is your life is but a vapor. The span of your life is small. We're here for a quick 70 or 80 and then we're on into eternity. You can't escape death. It will happen. You're not sneaky enough to hide this very wrath. You're not smart enough or strong enough to outlive eternity. Your weakness dilemma is this. We all God in the end and there will be judgment. Hebrews 9, 26 to 28 says, But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared, sacrifice of himself that is jesus once in the end of the world he appeared to put away sin by sacrificing himself and as it is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment you are with death and can't miss that one he'll come get you if you try to sleep through it and after that 
is judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Man of God, the power of Christ on the man of God weakness. That is what you understand about this. You and I are weak. We can't we can't escape it. You are mortal. You're human. You're broken. You're not whole. And you know that about your body. You're like, yeah, I wish, wish I had bigger calves. Or you're like, yeah, I wish I had broader shoulders. Yeah, I wish I was smart enough to get A's in these classes. But your condition as a human, you're broken and weak. The man of God knows that and embraces it and is okay with it. Because if I'm saved and I'm weak, I know that my weakness in my weakness, Christ is strong. I can't save anyone. I can't like deliver anyone out of hell. I can't do it. If you're lost, there's nothing that I can do to prevent you from going to hell. Except let Christ's strength and power abide on my life and let him speak to you through me, maybe. Maybe I speak and share the gospel with people in my class. Maybe I am emboldened because of the power and grace of God to engage someone. Someone and how they're struggling. That's the power of Christ using you despite your weakness, man of God. So here's the man of God mentality. Verses just have four charges, one after the other, that all give us. Man of God mentality is Psalm 90, verse 12 through 17. It says this, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants, or satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. There's four things right here. It's this, man of God, be teachable and humble. And you can pull that verse. Oh, there we go. That works. Man of God, be teachable and humble. Know your limits. Let God teach you. Let God grow. Man of God, be satisfied in God's mercy. Don't you know what we deserve? And what we don't get? I have bad attitude at work sometimes. And what do I deserve? I deserve my principal to come around and smack me on the back of the neck. Of the Lord, like, giving me the, dude, but what do I get oftentimes? I get correction, but oftentimes I get, hey, come on. He's gentle. He's loving and kind toward us. That's his mercy. 
It's because he doesn't want his wrath on us. It's because he doesn't want roughness in his relationship with us. Man of God, be engaged in the work of his kingdom. Let thy work appear unto thy servants. We announce there's all these different ways you can jump in this this morning. Jump in. Jump in. You're at church. Because you either wanted to be or you had to be. But either way, you're here. And you get to see the kingdom of God grow. When I was in high school, I got to see the kingdom of God grow. I saw students being born again. I saw classmates, not even through me, just through in my youth group. Classmates, they ended up at church. I'm like, whoa, you're here. And I'm here. And we're here. Like God did something. You get to see that here. Participate. And lastly, to his power working in and through you. I think you all should do some kind of ministry service. You ought to join the Connections Ministry or, or whatnot. But I think you all, you all ought to come to the place where you, you decide, I'm not content with just going through physical motions of church serving. That is meaningful. And it is more than just physical. It's not easy to show up to your ministry service and just click a button. Or to just play with a kid. Is it not easy to just go through the motions of whatever your ministry service is? And I would say, you know what? Push back against that. Let your service be worship. But additionally, grow in your boldness and concern for souls. Let... God use you in the lives of other people, not just to edify the body of Christ. Do that. But also, there's so many lost kids in your schools, and we're at the beginning of this. You know, you have that kind of carry over, and you've got, there's this social structure that's already kind of in place of who is who and what is what. You know what? Screw that. Screw that. That's fake. I mean, I know it kind of is there. But it it has no weight or strength. You get to decide, I'm going to step out of what everyone has labeled me as. I'm going to be a man or I'm going to be a woman of God. I'm going to care about souls. I'm not going to care about my place in this social hierarchy of who's cool and who's not. I don't really, that's not even, what? I'm not going to observe that. You get to decide that freedom there too as a teacher I don't have to worry about that because well I'm just not cool enough right but I'm very free I can kind of talk to all of my students whether they're cool or they're not it's fr- I'm free and you can be too it's a little harder for you though because you got to decide I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a woman of God. And that's who I am. Because otherwise you will be labeled. You'll be labeled. You'll be thrown into the structure. That's just how it is. Does that make sense? Man, if we could catch the heart for souls.
I don't care how many kids are in this class. I really don't. If it's just us for four more years, well, it won't be just us, but you know what I mean. If it's just us all year, okay. I love you guys. You are enough for me to come and want to invest and preach and do this. But if we catch the heart and the passion for souls, there's going to be more people in here. And that means more people hearing the gospel. And that means more people being mentored. And that means more people participating in the kingdom of God. And that means we're being used by God in a way that we're designed to. So I don't know about you, but I want that. And I think you do too, man of God. So let's do it. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. How many of you are saying, yeah, I want that. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. I want to be soul conscious. I want to know my time is limited. I want to know there's a solution for in my time. I'm weak and God can be strong. How many of you are saying, yep, I hear that, I see that. You show your hands. Yeah, you can just raise your hand. That's good. How many of you would say, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've gotten that figured out. I don't know if I have a relationship with God that if I did die today and my time limit was up, I don't know where I would go. How many of you know you need salvation? You're like, you're supposed to close every eye. No, I'm not. Whatever. We're just a bunch of dudes. Remember that social thing? Doesn't matter. How many of you would say, I, I think I need to get saved? Maybe you're not going to right now, but you know you need to do it. Going once? All right, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to go into main service. We want you to sit with us in that middle section area. And um, we'll all kind of sit together and listen to the preaching. If after next service you decide you want to go forward... Uh, Go forward. We'll meet you there, or you can grab somebody else different. If you want us to meet you there, find us, <clears throat> find one of the adults, one of the students, and say, hey, will you go with me, and we'll be glad to go pray with you or meet with you or that kind of thing. Okay? I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the comforter. God, thank you for this body. Thank you for a mission, for, you know, for the kingdom that we we get to participate in taking kingdom territory, and and that that isn't some crude, um, violent uh, work that we have to do, but rather it's a delivering, it's a rescue mission. God, would you use each one in this room and the circumstances of their life even now. Use us to preach the gospel. To connect with souls. To be part of uh, the ministry of reconciliation. Help us, God, to do that. And um, bring the lost here. God, and as you bring the lost here, Make us soul conscious yet again that this isn't just our time to sit and to sit and get connect. There's souls in here now. There's people in here now that we don't know. God, would you would you make us 
connectors even now. Have your way with the rest of this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.